I was on mute that entire opening. That was perfect. I was wondering what was happening. All, All I right. heard was dead silence. So I will say this again. Oh, I was please prepared don't. To say, I was prepared to say that tonight's AEW Dynamite was the greatest so far in their seven-week run. And then that wet popcorn fart of an ending happened. Oh my god, was that terrible. I do not get the Scorpio Sky push. I don't get that they seem to think he's the greatest thing in the history of the world. And I don't get why he gets to pin Chris Jericho in the middle of the ring to end Dynamite. So now he gets set up for a world title shot? Fuck that shit. Right up the ass. Who said he got set up? I'm a bit annoyed right now. Who said he got set up for a world title shot? He pinned the champion. So? So traditionally in pro wrestling, if you get if you pin the champion, you get a chance at the championship. No, not always, especially not in a tag team match. I said traditionally, not always. And the fact that the way he pinned him was absolutely perfect. It was that no, quick. It, it was bullshit. No, it was the quick roll-up. It's not like he hit him with his finisher and laid him out cold. He got a guy who was way above his level to, uh, you know, got a cheap win with a quick roll-up. Way above That's his the level. Because is, is that how they've been featuring Scorpio Sky in the last five weeks? Is that he's, he's at below Chris Jericho's level? Because it sure seems to me like Jim Ross is praising him every freaking chance he gets and making him into a, pre- kind of a big superstar. They're, settle down. Calm down. Calm down. No. Breathe, Shane. I, breathe. I, no, I breathe. want to the guys that are good, not the guys that are generic, jobber, random guys, number five. Well, that's just because you don't like him. No, it's because he's a random athletic guy. It's because he has no personality. He has he has no uh, distinguishable talent from anybody else. It's 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 not that I don't like him. It's that he, he doesn't stand out to me at all. Breathe. <laughs> you got me way off topic now. Yeah, okay, yeah, I'm going to agree with you there. That's a bunch of bullshit, and we'll talk about that on Monday. Um, but, uh, yeah, let's rewind a little bit. Okay, as far as the ending goes, there were two things that I liked about it. Number one, the quick roll-up. It wasn't, we bitched about this before, a guy should not beat the world champion. A tag team wrestler should not beat the world champion with some kind of finisher clean in the middle of the ring. It should be a cheap roll-up like it was. So I felt like that was a perfect way to still protect Jericho. And the other thing I really liked, was his call back to 1996 at the end of the match. He brought full circle one of, I'm not kidding you, the greatest promos I've ever seen in my life, and I could have watched MJF and Jericho in the ring talking to each other all night long. But he brought up that uh, Juventud, Juventud Guerrera uh, feud that he had in 96, and then at the end of the night, he ended it with what started that Juventud Guerrera, his throwing a little temper tantrum on the outside, hitting the ring post with chair shots. That's what he did after he lost to Scott Hall, which started that amazing heel turn by him. The very next week, he came out as that heel Jericho and got into the feud with Hoovy. I thought that was a brilliant callback. Great. That doesn't, but that still leaves random generic guy number 72 as a guy that pinned the world champion in the middle of the ring. With a fluke roll-up. Got to keep it. Up when, his other, when his partner had been knocked out and it was one against two. Ridiculous. You got you to gotta keep it in ridiculous. perspective. You got to keep it in perspective. No, I don't. They need to stop it pushing was. this guy who has 
who doesn't have the talent that that ninety percent of the roster has. I'm just not even going to defend him because I don't feel like another Sean Spears argument. So let's just move on from this. Because you wait, wait, wait. But you I know like you his, can't because you don't like Scorpio Sky either. Well, I like his athleticism. I I think he's developing as a character. I think every. Uh, I think to be honest, I think his character is being a little held back by his SCU role. I think the fact that he's just the lead guy that talks about the worst town he's ever been in is what holds his character back. I think if he's given the reins, he could be a lot more, I, I don't know, special maybe. I don't, I don't know. I, I want to see him out of the SCU gimmick because the SCU gimmick, as far as I'm concerned, has kind of run its course. They come out there, and the only one that ever says anything different is Christopher Daniels, and he's become repetitive in his little his little bit. They're not unique anymore. This bit has been going on for almost three years. It's just a way to pop the crowd, and and I think the gimmick needs to end. I don't mind them as a trio, but I think the SCU gimmick needs to end, and I think that's the only way that Scorpio Sky is ever going to really break out of his bubble and have his charisma and personality match his athletic ability. I do mind them as a trio because them being a trio means that there is no more bad influence and there is no more the addiction. That is true. And and bad influence was one of the greatest tag teams ever. Um, but And the addiction wasn't far behind. Right. Uh, you know, so it's... I see his strengths, but I, and I see, and I think he's being held back by the gimmick he's in. But at the same time, I I don't really want to get into a big debate about him because we've got another big debate I'm sure coming up here in a few minutes. I simply don't. I, I simply do not see anything about him that you that's unique compared to anybody compared to anybody else in pro wrestling. He's just an athletic guy that can do moves. That's all I see in him. And and I think, like I said, I think a lot of it's because of the gimmick he's stuck in. He he comes out, but, but just the way he wrestles, also. He's not allowed to actually be himself. He he comes out, he spouts one or two lines, the same one or two lines every single week, and then he goes to the background and lets the addiction kind of do their thing. You know, so it. I, I don't know. I, I I like I like them together. I just think that the only way he's ever going to be this breakout star that Jim Ross. Oh, and speaking of Jim Ross, after I got to remember this. Um, after our, the Jim Ross keeps touting him as he needs to break away from that gimmick. Maybe a heel turn would work for him. I guess I don't know, but somehow he needs to break away from that gimmick. Now, speaking of Jim Ross, Jim Ross to get on. A, no, well, no, Scorpio Sky, but Jim Ross. Um, his whole fumbling over calling Jake Hagar swagger <laughs> was one of the greatest things I've ever heard on TV. That was awesome. Did you catch that? Yeah. yeah. He's got swagger. He's not swagger. <laughs> He's got swagger. He's not swagger. Not swagger anymore. I, I, that was that was brilliant. I just that was one of the it, it best a, things. It was a I've pretty heard. good catch. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the best things I've heard tonight. I mean, and to me, this show ended well. I liked the callbacks and the things they were doing, but I kind of see your point too, because it is kind of, it never should have been the world champion in that spot. You know, it maybe should have been somebody else, but they don't have anybody else. So it was kind of hard not, not to put them there. I mean, Santana Ortiz could have had that spot, probably should have had that spot, 
but with only one win and still doing the feud with the Bucks, they really couldn't be there. So it had to be, and Hagar, they're holding off from keeping him in the ring. So, you know, it had to be Jericho and, and Guevara. Um, and, and, you know, the other thing is that, you know, and I'm going to keep saying this until it's no longer the case, SCU was a bad choice to be, their, to be the World Tag Team Champions. They're, they're like, you know, like, you know, they're like fifth best on the talent roster of that tag division. And I and I and you know Jim Ross like very early in the show like maybe five ten minutes into the show was trying to sell them as being the the right guys to lead the tag team division for AEW and I was and it, that was just like such a company man spiel that it made it turned me even more off to see you being the champion. I agree that I agree with you. They were probably my fourth or fifth choice. I think if we were going to have a dark horse, it should have been Dark Order. Um, and you know. Kudos if to Dark Order. If you were going to have a Dark Horse, it should have been Best Friends. Yeah, I'm not sold on the Best Friends thing yet. Um, but the Dark Order, the Dark Order thing that tonight, you know, it was, it was sad because they got some momentum back. They looked like they're, you know, they're in recruit mode, and then they just got destroyed by Luchasaurus. All of them. The entire, they just got punked. So all the momentum they had was taken away. And I think that might have been the match that kind of turned me on the night. I was really kind of down on the first couple of matches. You know, I thought the Moxley thing was, yeah, he's in there against Nakamura, so you're not expecting anything brilliant, but a 13-second match followed by a, a... two and a half second speech that is just kind of the run of the mill rhetoric, not what you expect from Moxley. And then the match after that, I was like, okay, they're going to end up having like six, seven matches. This is just a, another TV show. And then during that uh, match with dark order and Jurassic express, I think it finally hit the gear and it stayed there full throttle the rest of the show. Yeah. And, and we had been talking about Luchasaurus just a couple nights ago on, kingdom of honor and so it was great to see him come in here get some shine get some spotlight have a have a great returning hero moment where he just laid out the entire like you said the entire dark order i thought that was amazing and i thought it was what we've needed from from luchasaurus for weeks right exactly and the subtle thing that they did too was kind of teasing a marco stunt heel turn um with him going to accept that uh um the mask from Mm -hmm. evil uno and then having uh, Jungle Boy come in and push him away and say, no, you can't take that. You know, it was it was kind of that little subtle moment that could push the heel turn. Or yeah. foreshadow heel turn if they decide to go that way. Right. And, and you know, and I texted you, uh, after, after, this, after this segment, I texted you, fuck yeah. <laughs> right. And, and then, then fuck and, no. And then seconds later, fuck no. Because goddamn Sean, Sean Spears just shows had to be out there to kill the crowd and kill my heart. I, I like his entrance. I like the whole sitting there with the chair and all that stuff. I like the way that that, that match happened because, and I, I feel bad for Peter Avalon because he's a damn good wrestler and to be saddled with this horseshit uh, gimmick that he is, is just, it's, it's maddening watching him and he goes out there and he underperforms in every match. He's not performing up to his level. He's performing as a jobber. You know, but uh, to see the whole Sean Spears, Joey Janela feud kind of continue made me happy because I felt felt like that didn't have enough time to breathe and shouldn't have been on the pay-per-view. And then to watch Darby Allen, uh, 
you know, just kind of destroy Peter Avalon was fun too. I'm looking forward to that match next week between Allen and Moxley. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and and you know, the the thing with Sean Spears and it, it's kind of funny is because, you know, you're we're so used to when the lights go out on a wrestling show, something exciting happening, something that's going right. to pop the crowd, and instead we get Sean Spears sitting on sitting on the ramp just for. A, few seconds just sitting there quietly not saying anything no music playing nothing it's it's so unique that i think i like it because yeah. you're right usually yeah, when yeah. the lights go out go ahead go ahead uh usually no, when I, the I lights like go the cog- out i like the cognitive dissonance of it is what i like right you know it's it's usually when the lights go out there's that you know big guy standing in the ring to destroy whoever's in there but this time it's just some dude sitting on the on the top of the ramp on a chair quietly i just i think it's such an a unique style of entrance that i i just enjoy it i just enjoy the whole part the whole entrance part and everything that goes along with that you just described sean spears perfectly just some dude that's pretty. I'm not disagreeing. I just think that <laughs> I think that you're a little harsh on him. I think he needs to build his character back up, and I like the character he has. I think he really, really needs to build himself up to what I had always hoped his perfect ten character would be. But the reality is, is he's not there yet. You know, as as he is now, he's a mid card dude. I'm hoping someday he can ev- elevate himself, but right now he's a mid-card dude, and I like him in the feud with Joey Janela. I think this is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I hope that you're right. You, what you mentioned on King of Honor happens since is that uh, you know they have they have a back and forth feud where they where they get each other over. That, that'd be right because, like you said, you know, you know, I think Janelle, I don't know if Janelle's even want a match yet. But, and he doesn't need to. That's the funny thing. Him, Darby Allen, and Sammy Guevara could lose every single match, and they've got they're so over with the crowd for different reasons that they could it it doesn't matter they could lose every match and they still get popped every single time. Yeah, you know you mentioned Sammy there, and and uh, I, I guess that's that's one thing you know that was a bit of a cool moment in that tag title match is that you wouldn't it, you would have expected that Sammy would have been the one to take the pin if the, that team was going to lose, and it wasn't. It was it was Jericho. And that was another, right? And that was another thing that kept it fresh because, it, you know, you look at some of the other companies and you can always spot the guy who's going to eat the pin. And this time, you, you we all thought, oh, Sammy, Sammy's going to eat the pin, and it turns out to be Jericho. And it's like, wait, I didn't see that coming. Right. You know, and I. Other than that, I mean, the the young bucks, uh, proud and powerful little fight was a lot of fun (laughs) what i want to see and i want to see it on every single show every show from here on out to the end of AEW, i want to see just orange cassidy in random spots (laughs) (laughs) That, that was just fun and then the way that santana slowly closed the bathroom door was just it was that was just a brilliant spot it was because it, it was like, well, why? It was almost like Santana was trepidatious of right. Orange Cassidy. It was just, it was and really fun. Squeezed it, is maybe the least intimidating person on the roster. <laughs> but I just, I want that to continue. I want that in every episode going forward. Just an Orange Cassidy sighting in some random spot. I think that that was a brilliantly done bit, and I, I just, I loved it. And I loved the, the whole only fight. Thing might have been better is if when. Uh, 
when Santana was climbing up on top of that forklift, if, if Orange Cassidy had already been standing there, and then he just like slowly climbs back down. <laughs> oh, that would yeah, that would have been even better. And then Orange Cassidy <laughs> do his hands in pocket dive off the top of the forklift. Uh, <laughs> but that I mean that whole bit was fun. The way that they. <laughs> My only real, the only downfall fall I felt, and Doc kind of said it too. Um, he was on Twitter like immediately after it. There were two parts of it that I didn't like. I didn't like the fact that um, Private Party just comes out and pushes them a couple times, and all of a sudden they're in a feud next week. They're in a match next week. I thought that was a little rushed. I think they should have let that segment breathe a little bit longer than to announce it literally 15 seconds later before they go to commercial break. How about you go to commercial break and come back with that announcement instead of doing it right before the commercial break? The other part that I didn't like about that was Nick just got destroyed, had his leg basically broken with the flapjack and the, you know his knee problems that he's been having. Matt just got power bomb through the the stage and his back problems and kudos to him he got up and sold the back again but how are these two walking out with the way they got brutalized yeah i really should have gone they should and, and then they should have come back and, they should, and everything should have been clean should have been you know clean cleaned up or as best as best as possible i totally agree with or even or even run out a couple of stretchers you know, you know and just was, and that was my like and that was my one kind of problem with the match they had against the Lucha Brothers at All Out also where you know where Matt took the super Mexican destroyer through the table and then he's up like 5 seconds later. Right. I think that was those were the, my only two my only two negatives with that entire segment. Otherwise, I thought that segment was great. I was I was a little bit scared because it was 925 and they were toting the uh, main event next so I'm glad they came back with that little beatdown to kind of you know push it off a little bit right um, I really I really enjoyed the hangman pack match again I wouldn't say it was on the level of the last two but I enjoyed it until the end of the match. I thought, yeah. I, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about, and they've talked a lot about on AEW, about referee discretion. This referee seemed like he had no discretion. You know, right. Um, he's, you know, he's pushing Pac away. He's telling him he's going to disqualify him. But then because Pac goes to the top rope to do a move instead of just pounding on him on the floor, now that's okay. You know, it should have been disqualification. It really should have been. Oh, I, I agree. I agree. It was very inconsistent. And I, I've got to give kudos to these guys. They just had... A, an a exciting, incredible match on Saturday night. And they came out here and put on another match that was exciting. Not, I, It wasn't the four-star level. It was a great TV match. Um, I think the commercial break really took it down a notch. But to come out and put on a completely different match than what we just saw five nights earlier... That's yeah. a testament to those guys' talent. They were just they were just moving at such a fast pace in this one. You know, like they were hitting like huge spot, huge shots early on in the match, and that really um, emphasized the urgency of these guys trying to get the victory. Yeah, I mean, it was it wasn't the knockdown dragout thing that we saw just at at full gear. It was a completely different match. They came in with different psychology. They came in with different. You know, then knowing each other a little bit better and selling that, I just I felt like they did a great job to to have a match that close after a pay per view. 
I felt like they did a great job to not just do the same match they just did. I did too. I, I don't understand Ross saying that Pack won the series though, when really Page is it's up two, two to two. Well, no, it's two to two in singles, but Page also pinned him in the tag match. So they're so so right now. Oh, that's right. Page is up three to two. Oh, speaking of which, did you catch the graphic on Nyla Rose? I they did put not. her. I was actually getting my supper at the time she was coming out. They put her singles matches at two and two and three in singles matches, and then they put her overall matches at one and three. Oh, that's interesting. How the hell did that work? That's probably reversed. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm, I'm, that's what I'm guessing too. But that was one thing that really stood out. Is like, really? Come on, guys! Someone had to catch that. Well, somebody did. His name is Jeff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But on to the um, probably the highlight of the show. Um, MJF and Jericho together in the ring was pure gold. Just pure gold. Hey, Jeff, let me ask you something. No, I'm not. Inner circle? <laughs> do you want me to join the inner circle? Do you want to join the inner circle? But do you want me to join the inner because circle? Because I heard you want to join the inner circle. It, well, I heard you want me to join the inner circle. <laughs> that was such a great segment. I could have watched those two all night long. They, uh, but I, you know, and this is probably where the big debate's going to come. I am not sold on his on his explanation. It still comes across as the only reason for his heel turn is because he's an asshole. Oh, Cody held you down. Give us an example. How did Cody hold you down? You could have brought up the fact that you've only had one match on AEW Dynamite in seven weeks. That could have been explained, you know, put on Cody holding you down. There, there was hundreds of things he could have come up with ex- as examples. And all he said was, he held me down. He didn't say he held him down. He said he was keeping him under his thumb, meaning that he was trying to control MJF's career. But yeah, exactly. But how? How? How was he trying to control his career? Just because you said he is? It just, yeah, I I didn't know. It's not a good enough example. It's not a good enough reason. But you have to admit that that line was great where he said, I'm too big to be held down under your thumb. Right. He had a lot of great lines in that. And he, uh, but I I, I think I would have been happier with the segment and I would have bought into it. Because right now it leads us literally back to our discussion that we had on Monday. (laughs) His only reason for turning heel is because he's an asshole. That's his only reason. There's nothing else that makes him turn heel except he's an asshole. I think if there had been, you know, something, maybe some examples of how Cody was holding him down, um, if there had been, you know, maybe him and Jericho coming out talking about how this was a plot planted by the inner circle months and months before Dynamite even started to get to get him, you know, under Cody's wing and then screw him over at the last second. Anything like that would have been better than just I'm an asshole, so and I'm better than you. Well, you're saying you know, that you want him to be part of the inner circle. He's not part of the inner circle, so obviously he wasn't no, I don't give part a sh- of a plot from the inner circle. I don't give a shit if he's part of the inner circle or not. I, I'd rather have him on his own, and I like the fact that Wardlow came out and kind of you know it separated those two from the inner circle. So we might get our version of the dynasty, which is what I really want out of MJF in AEW. I just wish there had been some explanation other than I'm an asshole. So I screwed you over. 
Well, I'm thinking that <coughs> there might be something, you know, we're going to have to hear <coughs> and then MGF will have to have another side of me. I don't think this is done yet. I think we're still in the follow-up stages, you know. And then for Cody or to... Maybe co- Cody will, like, demand that, you know, MGF do this, do what you're saying, is, you know, you know, give examples of how Cody was holding him under his thumb. Maybe. We'll see how it breathes out, but right now I'm not happy with that. I think I, I'm not... there was, like, some kind of a debate between the two. Oh, that would be amazing. And have Jericho as the moderator. <laughs> <laughs> Just those three on stage together with live mics would be amazing. Yeah. Um, I'm a little bit, uh, I'm also a little bit torn, uh, taken back that a beatdown Cody who wasn't cleared to even be in the ring was able to come out there and beat up MJF, who hasn't been in the ring in six weeks, so obviously he's fresh, and Jericho, who is the world champ. Cody came down and beat the hell out of both of them. That's it. Actually, actually that's that. I'm glad you mentioned that because that's another spot where Jim Ross actually shined on commentary tonight. Is when, uh, when Cody missed that first power slam, and Jericho was like, I mean, Ross is like, well, his equilibrium was so messed up from that headshot he took. Yeah, that was that was a good quick spot by him to to notice that and to just play it off like it was like okay yeah he's hurt, but it's still the fact that he was able to come down there and take it to two guys was a little bit far fetched that I I don't know for sure if I was if I was all in on yeah you know, but it's I just a classic thing where you know like the one guy misses the other guy gets hit and then he comes back to get the other guy that you know after so it wasn't like he was actually fighting off two guys you know it was just. A comedy of errors, basically. That set it everything up. Yeah, yeah that's true, I guess. Um, and, and like you said, I mean, it was a great debut for Wardlow, and then Cody got his ass choked, and that also puts a layer of distance now between Cody and Wardlow. I mean, between Cody and MJF. So now, you know, he's right. going to go through Wardlow first to get to MJF, which I think is going to be good to give some some space there. We're, we're, we're going to have to have to keep waiting to see um, MJF take on Cody. I did help, I did help and, how MJF, though, was announcing himself as the new face of AEW. Yeah, that that was funny. He was on Twitter like immediately afterwards telling uh, um, talking about it too. I was watching Twitter while I was watching the show and there was some fun stuff happening. Um the MJF got on like 10 minutes after that and announced that he is now the new face of AEW and he has a hashtag face of AEW out and it's just I I'm loving <laughs> loving the MJF character I'm glad it didn't take the face turn that we thought that it kind of seemed like it was going to but at the same point I want more of a reason for him to be an asshole than just I'm an asshole sometimes that's all there is in life though Jeff. sometimes people are just assholes well, yeah, I mean, I get that. I'm an asshole, so I understand. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, that that's that's my only, and, and you know, if you want to hear our discussion on it, I just posted on Twitter tonight. Go to hashtag KOH, hashtag DAD, and find it. Um, our show, Kingdom of Honor, that we did on Monday. Or you can go to our Patreon site, ha- uh, patreon.com slash kingdom of honor. And, you know, find our latest show from uh, Monday night where we had a a spirited 25-minute debate about how horrible this heel turn is from my eyes and how much you liked it, um, as only you and me and the lunacy that we have can do. Um, I just... The funny thing thing is, guys, is that Jeff and I both agree exactly the same thing happened. We just have completely different perspectives on it. (laughs) 
Right. It's like, for me, it pisses me off. For you, it's the greatest thing ever. And it, it's the exact same view. We see the same thing coming out of it. We see the same thing happening going forward. We both love the fact that MJF is able to break off on his own and be MJF. We just have different feelings on the exact turn and, and how it was played out. I was uh, surprised that he didn't that he didn't bring up the fact that he that he chose the exact right moment to, to, to turn on Cody. Because I thought that was my kind of... Like my basis of my argument, and and he didn't even mention it. He just said that you know you guys are lucky that I, that I, turned when I that I did what I did because otherwise you wouldn't have your hero anymore. You know. Well, and for him, and he you know, and he didn't he didn't spell out you know like like I set this up. You know, I I wanted to hit Cody at his low at you know at you know the at the moment that would hurt him the most. You know, none of that stuff. So that that was a bit disappointing well, it, tonight. I think even if he had twisted it a little bit more, because he was kind of going down the right path with saying, you don't know Cody, he doesn't care about you, and all this stuff. He should have said, I threw in the towel to save you from this narcissist who doesn't give a shit about you. If there had been something like that, it would have been, it would have put another layer on it that would have been like, okay, wait, maybe in his deluded mind he was saving us. You know, it, it just... There could have been so many more angles they could have taken with this other than, hey, I'm a jerk. So I screwed you over because I'm a, I'm a jerk. Um, I do like the Wardlow in the Alex Hammerstone position, though. I, I really want to see them kind of revive the dynasty in AEW. Yeah, just a different, with a different twist on it. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I, I mean. And, you know, you know, the fact that, you know, that... The uh, that Wardlow was wearing that Burberry tie makes me wonder if they're going to do if they're going to like have a stable called just called Burberry. You know? Oh, that would be nice. <laughs> yeah. I, I I I do like the fact that Jim Rouse goes. I like his tie. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a nice tie he's wearing. He wasn't wearing it very long. No, he was not. But Cody got to wear it. <laughs> right. yes, unfortunately, Cody did. No, I just I. This this show started off weak. The first half hour, I was like, oh, God, really? Are we going to have a, a just a regular standard TV show? But, man, once it hit that second level, it just kept it kept the gas, you know, the foot on the gas the, the rest of the night. And it was a really, really great episode. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I understand what you mean about the Moxley start, but I, I also liked how, how they sold at the beginning, how, you know, Omega lost the match and also he's in he's in worse shape than moxie because moxie was beat up but moxie was cleared to wrestle and omega was not yeah and omega had a nice little shiner there too that was kind of interesting yeah. you know i mean there was there was some greatness there was a lot of there was some goodness to the way that the moxie match started and the fact that he came out and it was a jobber and we all know michael nakamura is a jobber um, the fact that he came out in a little squash match and then got on the mic and said, you know, I challenge anybody, you know, it, it was, it was refreshing to see because how many times do we see squash matches anymore in any promotion? Right. You know, it was nice to see that squash match. Um, tonight, so tonight we really got three of them. I mean, the, I mean, the women's match is basically a squash match. Yeah, and yeah, it was basically turned into a squash match. Squash match. <laughs> that it did too. As soon as Spear, as soon as Janelle took Spears out, Darby Allen, Darby Allen, you know, I I got to give Darby Allen credit. The more I see the guy, the more I like the guy, and I've liked him from day one. Yeah. 
he you know we we initially said when he had his wrestling or when he wrestled his match against cody that jimmy havoc is looking at him going this is what jimmy havoc wants to be a, a hardcore guy who can actually perform in the ring and then you know now we've seen jimmy havoc in a bunch of uh, non-hardcore matches and he's actually really really a good wrestler um but We've been high on Darby Allen forever, and to watch him kind of take the hits that he does, the bumps that he does, and to get on the mic and just say, "You know what, John, I accept." I am. That is probably the one match I'm looking the most forward to next week. Like I could care less about any wrestling the rest of the week. I just want to see those two. Yeah, you know, it seems like the last few weeks the the main events have really have really gotten gotten short shifts. Like they've only got gotten maybe like the last ten, twelve minutes of the show. So I'm really right. hoping that like Moxley and Allen is like maybe the top of the second hour where it gets a, a bit more time and we get a we get a nice story between those two. Yeah, that would be nice. Or even to see something come out of it, maybe where um, they get a pay per view match, they build towards a pay per view match would be nice too. Or you know, I wouldn't really wouldn't mind if our, if if it, if it turned out that you know Allen became like a um, an apprentice to Moxley. Yeah, but we I kind of want that out of him and Havoc though still. Um, you know, okay, and here's something that Ryan brought up, um, and I just, you know, he just tweeted us earlier, and it makes sense. And when you look at the three probably top young guys in AEW, the ones that seem to be clicking on all cylinders, they're, you know, they're, they're kind of almost featured in every episode, even though, you know, MJF hasn't been in the ring, it's the, the top three future stars are MJF. Darby Allen and Sammy Guevara. Those are the guys who seem to be getting the best rub. And he, he made a couple comparisons and one that I kind of disagree with. Uh, MJ or Sammy Guevara reminds me a lot of, and, and he brought it up too of Eddie Guerrero. He's got that just ridiculously undeniable charisma. He's a natural heel and unbelievably athletic, but can tell a story in the ring. Eddie Guerrero might be the closest comparison to him that I can think of. Yeah, and Jim Ross made it a couple weeks ago, too. So. Oh, did he? Okay, I guess I didn't. Then. A lot of times I tune Jim Ross out unless he's saying something stupid. Then I rewind and say, what did he say? Um, <laughs> he brought up a comparison between Darby Allen and Sabu. Huh. And the, think about he brought that up. But the more I think about it, you and I had a... Uh, just one of our ECW shows. And again, go to patreon.com, you know, donate to that top tier and you can hear it. Um, but we talked about Sabu and how Sabu is the, you know, genocidal, homicidal, suicidal. He does win a match. That not. I told no, I totally see where that, where that comparison comes from. It's, I guess I wouldn't I don't put Allen in that, in that, but I certainly see where he would. He just he just reminds me a lot of a very young Sabu and kind of that same where he doesn't give a shit about himself, himself through anything just to get. And that's kind of the same thing we talked about about uh, Sabu, you know, when we did that show, whenever it was like a month or so ago. Um, it, it's just one of those comparisons that I, I really enjoy that I, I think is true. The one that I, I'm confused about, and I don't know if I personally agree to it, mainly because MJF is better on the mic and better in the ring, um, but he kind of compared him to RVD, and I don't see that. What I see MJF as is a young Chris Jericho. No. You don't think so? 
No, I'm, just, I'm saying if you're, if you're doing an ECW comparison, it's the franchise. Yeah, I mean, he's great on the mic. He's great in the ring. Um, yeah, definitely the franchise. But if you're going to compare him to somebody that's an up-and-comer, I would say Jericho. Jericho in 96, 97, 98 is exactly what we're getting out of MJF now, but MJF doesn't have the athleticism that Jericho did back then. Right, and I've, and I've said it time after time after time, so I'm going to say that, again, the best comparison there is to Rob Van Dam from the, 90, from the late 90s is Ray, is Ray Phoenix. Yeah, yeah, a guy who's doing things that nobody else has ever seen before and nobody else could do. Exactly. And no, he it, and style... And, and he just makes you go, oh, my God, is he even human? The only difference between him and Rob Van Dam is Phoenix doesn't do the same spots every single match for 10 years in a row. The that's same true. five spots yeah, over and over again. <laughs> well, that's true, but we only think we only realize that because we've seen Van Dam so many times. When you were still, when you were first watching him in ECW... You know, he, he did mix things up a bit. You know, he did he did have different matches against different opponents. And once he, he went and to he was, one, and he, was, and he was exciting as hell. I don't know if maybe it's the fact that he was just disappointed that ECW ended or what happened, but man, did he turn! Once he made the level to WWF, he just stopped being a good performer. He just went out and did the same thing every night. But it made him millions and millions of dollars to do it. Though. Oh, God did it, and he probably smoked it all. <laughs> <laughs> well, he certainly smoked his cigarette away that night in Florida with uh, Sabu, didn't he? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. But I don't know. This, this match, I, or this entire car, uh, night, I give a thumbs up to. When you look at it overall, it started a little weaker than I'd hoped. But in context and the way that it ended and the way that it progressed through the night, um, everything they did, even that Moxley, the squash match in the beginning, made sense later on. So I, see, I think yeah, I loved it all the way through until the very pinfall that ended, that ended the, the main event. So I think so. I, so I'm I also think give it a thumbs up, but in the opposite direction that you do. I really. <laughs> In the well, opposite right. direction. Well, for, for but am I giving it? A, am I giving it a thumbs up to the right, and you're giving it one to the left? What the <laughs> hell? Well, you're, I'm giving, you're giving it a thumbs up on Earth. I'm giving it a thumbs up in space, where there really is no up. I suppose there's no gravity. Yeah, so your thumb is just kind of floating there. There's never any gravity to this show. <laughs> <laughs> there never has been, guys. This is what you get. This is a train wreck radio at its best. This is what we do. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I, 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 I did like it. I mean, and you had mentioned, you know, in the beginning that this might have been their best out of the seven. I agree. I, I truly agree that this was the best that they've had out of all seven episodes. I'd really, I'd have to really think about that now because I, without, without the way that it ended, I, I would have put it there with, with the way that it ended. I'm not sure. <laughs> and see for me, whether it was intended or not, the callback with Jericho hitting the ring post with the chair. To me, that's what kind of sealed it. Yeah, you say what you want about Scorpio Sky. You like him, you don't. You don't think... You don't, I know, we've had our discussion. Settle down, breathe. Um, I'm having trouble say, with that. I have a cold right now. Breathe out your mouth, dude. Like, you can't breathe out your nose. Just open your mouth and be a mouth breather for 10 minutes. It's not far from what you do anyway. 
Okay. Don't breathe on my ass like you do. That's fair enough. Um, <laughs> the fact that he made that callback, and and I don't know if it was planned, I, but knowing Jericho, it would not surprise me that that was a planned callback for him. Throwing his little temper tantrum, and and that was just that was the spark of his you know his heel turn, which was probably the second best heel turn of the '90s. I still think the best was Eddie Guerrero's when Eddie Guerrero turned heel and his entrance and his swagger and everything he did come into the ring in WCW. But the second best one was easily Jericho's, um, and the fact that he made that callback, planned or not, I picked it up as a callback to that same time and the only reason i did was because of his his comment about his feud with hoovy um when he had that you know his segment with mjf i just i thought that was a a great way to take the entire night and twist it and say look we know what the hell we're doing yeah i I totally see where you're coming from with that i just i just i'm not gonna say it anymore because i've said it enough Right. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Okay. So anyway, I think that might be all we have for this one. So guys, uh, Patreon, that's our big one. You know, go donate, help us out. Um, you know, you can do three different levels you can subscribe to if you want to listen to our archives, which we feature all of our uh, Kingdom of Honor, all of our Dynamite After Dark shows, um, you know, and some of the stuff that we did when we first got started, the Excuse the Aggravation, the the um, Realist Guys on the Radio, all that stuff is in our archive. You know, it's a $5 tier. That $5 helps us out so, so much. You have no idea. Uh, if you want to listen to some exclusive stuff that we do, there's a $10 tier and that one, you know, we're trying to hit it once a month. And with the two shows a week, it's a little bit harder to get to it like we wanted to, but we're trying to get it once a month. And, you know, we do basically all of our original shows are now lumped into that $10 tier. We do some of our uh, non-wrestling stuff. Right? We're breaking down right now the, um, you know, season two of Jessica Jones. We're watching episodes and breaking it down. We're also going back through all the ECW uh, I guess at this point, it's kind of the ECW greatest moments, isn't it? Since we're kind of going off script with the specials and pay-per-views. Yeah, kind of. I mean, the, the, the next one we're planning on uncovering is going to be uh, the night that the ECW world title was formed when when uh, Shane, Shane Douglas won the NWA world title and threw it down. And then also the night that Mikey Whipwreck and Cactus Jack won the tag team titles. Right. So, I mean, that's you know, that's what we're hoping to hit next week. Um, we've also got our, uh, we call it our Desert Island series. We call it our Wrecked with Wrestler series, where we kind of look at one guy's career and break it down in a wrestling form. We're not looking at his personal life. We're not looking at anything. We're just looking at what he does in the ring, and we're breaking that down. Um you know, so you know that's something that we really love. It's patreon.com slash kingdom of honor. And as always, you know, shout outs to the to the people that have subscribed. You know, the the ones that have been with us from kind of the beginning, Ryan, Kathy, and and Cliff. You know, we guys guys, we appreciate you. We also appreciate everyone else that you know has done it. You know, Jake is on there, Mike's on there. You know, there's a lot of people that are starting to become part of that which is great for us you know it helps us out so so much and then of course our twitter you know he's at zanman i'm at uh 
at Zanman LLP. I'm at Regi Co-op. Best way to get to us is just use the hashtag DAD for Dynamite After Dark and hashtag KOH for Kingdom of Honor. You can find us that way and uh, you know follow us. Follow the crazy stuff we do. I'm a degenerate gambler on the side. So, you know, that works out. You can listen to me, you know, complain about football and hockey. And every now and then I throw on a boy band tweet. So <laughs> follow and enjoy. <laughs> yes, yes it, it's true. He's, he's a degenerate gambler. But worse than that, he follows football. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> and guys, check out Imp. I listened to a show last week, one of the best I think I've heard from him in a long time. I had a little few technical difficulties in the beginning, but it all panned out at the end. Um, and one more thing, too. Follow us on YouTube. Uh, it's youtube.com slash kingdom of honor. Uh, hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. Uh, click on it. Just let it roll in the background while you're while you're list- doing whatever you're doing. You can listen to us there, too. More subscribers and the more views we get, the quicker we can actually start doing some live shows on there. So, uh, you know click it do what you like i'm done the the other thing is speaking of speaking of imp not only is he having tomorrow night on his show he'll be having on i can't think of the guy's name but they'll be they're, they're gonna be breaking down what's been happening in njpw getting you all set up for for coming up in the future and speaking of the future of, NJ, of njpw imp jeff and i will be bringing to you back-to-back days oh my god for Wrestle Kingdom. Oh, and I'm so, and again, Imp, if you're listening, I, well, I know you are because you do. Um, I, I, I apologize greatly for not being there on Saturday. You know, when Kid Duty comes up, I gotta, I gotta tap out on everything at that point. Right. So, so the, the plan is that as soon as Wrestle Kingdom Night One and Wrestle Kingdom Night Two go off the air, we will be there with you to give you an aftershock that. And then we'll, and then Jeff and I will probably get to bed at like nine o'clock in the morning. So it'll be awesome. Yeah, dude, I don't know if I can handle you at five in the morning. I well, just don't know if I can do. Else, so. That's a good point. So you, you'll have plenty of companies that try to to stave off the uh, eccentricity of the man called Sam. Did you just use a word like eccentricity? It's too late. I'm too tired for that. <laughs> Give your plugs. Let's end this shit. <laughs> Make sure you stay tuned to all the other LLP radio shows. Like I mentioned, Imp's going to be on tomorrow night. On Friday, the right side of the pond, as they're counting as they're uh, counting down or breaking down, however you want to say it, the uh, top myths of the new gen era. We'll be back with you on Monday talking about MLW, NWA Power, Impact, whatever comes to mind. Stay tuned to everything on LLP radio, guys. And you have a wonderful night, great weekend. Take care of yourselves out there in the real, real world, as my, as my buddy Steve used to say all the time, because nothing is trivial. This is Shane saying long days, pleasant nights, and Jeff saying goodbye. G1 Climax 27. Goodbye. And good night. Bang.